I, I um, <laughs> hi, I'm, I'm Amelie. Hi, Amelie. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I, we, uh, we, we usually have, Sarah's usually the one introducing all of us and, yeah. like, having us go around, yeah, and so I'm a little bit lost. Okay, well, welcome everybody to our <laughs> second episode of, uh, the OOC, um, Second live one. This is live for patrons. Uh, we will be uploading it later. Well, if you're not a patron, you will see this later. Uh, so yeah. Today, Hi. we have myself, uh, Tanya, to the right of me, and then- Wait, um, if For me, yeah. And then at the bottom, we got <laughs> Amelie. <laughs> yay! So, yay! Fun times. I also what? have the today, wonderful water burger. Today, we are talking about- um, I guess mostly we're going to talk about, uh, gender as it relates to D&D. Well, like LGBTQ, um, and oppressed, yeah, and, and oppressed communities as it relates yeah. to D&D is, uh, how I understood it. And like, yeah, it, um, cause I had, we were starting with, um, a brief history of women mm-hmm. in gaming um, and then we were going to kind of uh, jump off that. By the way, hi, everybody. I'm actually on vacation. So this is me in my vacation house. Uh, <laughs> the lighting is even more terrible than it is in my actual house. Don't believe her. <laughs> there's, like, there's a porch out there. You can almost see it. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see. I guess I'll kick off with history stuff since that's my bailiwick. I was about to say, that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> what I do. Did someone say history? It's one of it's one of the reasons we keep you around. Um, well, actually, so, <laughs> it's, it's the only reason. Um, that and I make funny faces. Um, okay, so I guess I'd like to kick off with sort of this um, the term gamer, uh, right? So when I was first coming up in the gamer world in the nineties, right? There was you were a gamer. Or you were a gamer girl, right? It's like that. <laughs> a lawyer and a lady lawyer. It, um, it reminds me of like uh, in sports in school, where like if you were the Rams, you'd have the Rams and the lady, the lady Rams. Rams. Yeah. So yeah, there was gamers and gamer girls. Um, but that actually before, um, really before um tabletop gaming became uh, a thing and then followed by video gaming a gamer was actually just a, a term for hunter right so it completely changed course because of tabletop gaming and then video games um one of the very first um tabletop games that was made for public consumption was actually produced by H.G. Wells. It's called Little Wars, and it came out in 1913. And H.G. Wells specifically said that like other war games, Little Wars was a game for boys and that rare intelligent breed of girl. <clears throat> So, which, and to, to, be, to, to be clear, H.G. Wells was considered extremely progressive for his time, right? Um, <laughs> right? So, um, we love to see it. 
<laughs> so that was considered the fact that he thought that girls could play a war game at all and mentioned them at all in the playbook was considered mind blowing at the time. Right. Um, so that fact is mind blowing. That fact is mind blowing. Is everybody's mind blown? All right. Well, then I guess there's no more. If everybody's mind blown, I guess we're done. Um, okay, so, that was it, guys. Uh, <laughs> good night. <laughs> um, oh so the this idea that is for for boys really was baked in to this. So by the time Gary Gygax comes around with D and D, where he is literally taking the the tabletop battlefield game and just putting a role-playing layer on top of it and D&D very much was still largely mechanics very little role-playing you were basically choosing character types kind of like you would was like um Warhammer something like that right and then AD&D gets more into role-playing and at that time um a very small percentage of tabletop gamers were women but they were there um, but the game was never marketed to them. And even Gary Gygax was like, I would make the game for women if women would play. So there was this whole, right? <laughs> there was this whole problem with, because they're not playing, we assume they don't want to play. So we're not going to, we're not going to market towards them or write for them or do art for them. We're going to, you know, continue to push this masculine idea. Um, even though there were actually women on the design team for AD&D, for D&D, not even like we got more for AD&D. So like the women have been there, but they've been sort of invisible. Um, and it's really not until I think really the 90s that you start to see a far more significant percentage of women and femme people playing D&D. And so that's kind of where we're going to now jump off the rest of our conversation. We have this history of what came before um, and sort of that, the levy breaking moment in, in tabletop history. And today now, of course, we don't just have D&D. We have a plethora of tabletop RPGs and many of them are far more progressive um, as progressive as H.G. Wells was in 1913. <laughs> and, you know, I, I hope that we get to a point where our views um, seem, mm -hmm. you know, like, well, duh. Like, why? Right. why like, or, or even as, like, backwards as Wells's. Right. I, I hope that day comes. <laughs> I do too. I hope that we're not looking at this as progressive and more like, well, duh. <laughs> so I guess, um, the first question, I guess the first question for everybody, and I'll answer it also, um, would be then how did each of us find RPGs? How did we come to RPGs? Okay, I'll go first since I am on the closest to the right. Uh, <laughs> um, so I mean, we'll... I played a lot. I just played video games as a kid. Uh, really, what I like, what started all of like getting into the what led to D and D was me playing a lot of video games and then starting my job. And one of my coworkers was like, "Hey, you like video games? You should do D and D." And I was like, "Okay." 
And then he's like, so we're going to play D&D. And I was like, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> and then we played that. And he then started telling me about all the other cool stuff. And then he told me about the Adventure Zone. And then it just went downhill from there. Or uphill. Whichever way you look at it. Whichever way is the good way. Yeah. Well, and then and then I made my first character for Pathfinder. Uh, his name was Tulip. I made a dude. <laughs> We had no girl, like, no one was playing a girl on our in our group, and I was the only girl at the time before I, became, before I came out as non-binary, and I was like, I'm gonna play a gay tiefling, and that's what I'm gonna do. And we're gonna loop back to that. <laughs> that's what I did. Alright, Emily, how about, how about you? Well, I, um, so, uh, I'm going to, like, give give a little bit more introduction to like who what what my identity is first uh, so i am a gender which I, I i am which means that i do not have a gender um and it, mostly cuz i just think gender's stupid um, and like everything surrounding this concept is ridiculous and for for binary gender people like i i, I understand it's important and for me, it's just really not. Um, and so then, uh, however, up and uh, I did not realize this until um, a couple of years ago. I, I did not come to this uh, conclusion and re this realization. And so sometimes when I talk about myself in the past, I will talk about myself uh, as a girl or as a woman. Um, and that's because that's who I perceived myself as at that time. So it's not to like try and like make anybody confused. It's not to say that, yes, you can call me she, her, you can call me a woman. Nope, that's not true. Um, I My pronouns are they, them. I am still a gender. Um, it just, my past is my past and I get to present it the way I want to. Um, and so, uh, thank you for letting me do that real quick. Um, but I grew up, I was the eldest, um, and my dad was a, or is a giant nerd. Like, everything that you think of, like, for a stereotypical D&D &D, Lord of the Rings fan goes to the Renaissance Festival every year, like, and, and he he'd been doing it for decades, um, and he had no idea what to do with a baby girl. He 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 was like, I I it, baby girl, I don't know, um, and I and, I, and I'm kind of like putting that on him, but it's, that's the perception that I have of him. And, uh, so he would try and get me, he basically just raised me as a boy because he didn't know what else to do. So I, I didn't really get a gendered, um, experience growing up because he had no idea what to do with bows and everything. So I just was raised to as if uh, the same way that he would raise uh, a boy, a boy that was born to him and in the same way that he raised my brothers. Um, but so he introduced us to uh, AD&D uh, late 90s ish. Um, only problem was uh, I did not get along with my brothers very well. And so I didn't get to I didn't play with them well. And so I didn't 
so I knew that I enjoyed the um, acting parts of D&D and the getting into character parts and the exploration parts of D&D. But uh, it, yeah, I was kind of just told, uh, I, I kind of got the impression that no, this is for boys um, from places other than my family. Like it, everyone else taught me that, oh, this is a boys game. And so I went and I did all the stuff that I was told I was supposed to enjoy. Um, and it wasn't until uh, about five years ago uh, I got into D&D because I was with a group of women in San Antonio. Um, and one of them was like, I really want to start a D&D group uh, all for women. And um, so I did that and I made, I made my very first 5E character. Uh, and so I have a unique experience in that I... The majority of my DMs, uh, and I brought this up last time, um, last live, but the majority of my uh, GMs have all been women. Which is definitely, yeah, the, <laughs> definitely unusual. Yeah. Well, okay, I so I guess, I guess, huh? I was going to say, I wanted, wanna... I wanted to just preface that with my, my whole thing. I am 20 years old, so there's also that aspect of it. But, like, my dad played D&D, too. I mean, we have all of his uh, D&D 3rd editions, I think. We have all of his books from that and stuff. And I was just like, nah. Now we have a shit ton of 5th edition ones that I bought. I, I, I went through a bunch of my dad's old AD&D stuff. So my dad's books are so old that, like, he has stickers on the inside of them that have his name on them and shit. And then one of them says, like, if you steal this book, I will find you kind of thing. It's really funny. Cause, yeah. We've gotten rid of so many books. We got rid of a lot of palladium, though. I found okay. I found a I found a bunch of uh I found a bunch of his old maps, like town maps and dungeon oh. maps and stuff. Like that was really cool. Didn't we used to have a giant map of Faerun? Yeah. I found all of my dad's old uh yeah, characters like and he never really named them, so we would just put a dash. So he has like dash one, dash two, dash three. Like the, he has like three of them. We found. Oh, no. I love naming things. Everything gets named. I'm My... a huge namer. I said namer, not gamer. I mean, I'm also a huge gamer, but also. A huge uh, but, gamer. but you're a girl gamer. I am. I'm a gamer. I'm a girl gamer. You're a gamer that happens so, to be a girl. So um, I guess I'll I'll back up a little and talk about my my upbringing. I am also the oldest. Um, oh, wait, same. and yeah, and what the joke this? in my family, I know, right? and the joke in my family is that I'm my mom's daughter and my dad's son, uh, and that's been a long-running joke. So growing up, my toys were primarily Star Wars, um, Transformers, and Hot Wheels. <laughs> I mean, I had some other things, like I had the um like the fashion plates and stuff like that but the toys i played most with uh those were the biggest three i had huge collections of all three um star wars was my favorite movies um i was one when a new hope came out so um <laughs> um and i grew up i i i did dance and i played soccer uh for uh, both of them for a very long, very big chunk of my life. 
so I had that sort of, I guess, agendered uh, upbringing. But in the 70s, there was no pink aisle, blue aisle. Like there was generally like a concept of like girl things and boy things. But even like the clothes were a little like gender ambiguous. Um, a lot of the times, so a lot of like, huh? I'm gonna blame Reagan. Yeah, well, it's like it's terry cloth shorts, and no matter what, you had like little rainbows like on the side. It's just the thing, like whatever. Um, um, but unlike unlike Amelie, who never really felt like. Um, like any of the, the the typically assigned genders fit, I've always felt very comfortable calling myself um, female, a girl or a woman. Right. Um, I came to D and D in the mid nineties, so ninety. It was ninety four or ninety five. I think it was ninety five. Um, and I was introduced to it by a guy, but the guy was not my boyfriend. I just want to keep, want that to be clear. Um, and it was sort of a thing where he, I was hanging out with him and he was like, Hey, my friends and I have this game. You want to come? And, uh, I ended up, our gaming group was like 10 people total. And there were two, two girls. And my very first character, as discussed before, <laughs> is the character I'm playing now, um, but was female. And I've played only, like, I think two or three male characters the whole time that I've played tabletop role-playing games, um, including, including Haven's Rest. That's including Haven's Rest, uh, because I don't typically feel comfortable playing characters that aren't female because that's how strongly I identify with that gender but I don't like I don't play the sexy sorceress or you know those kind of whatever stereotypical characters I'm usually a fighter I'm that's I'm such a I'm Jack is my very first fighter yeah Jack is my very first fighter. I usually play magic. Or, or, um, Ursa, uh is my dragonborn rogue, but I did end up like ma- giving her, making her an arcane trickster. So like I keep beca- having magic users. I just feel so uncomfortable with magic. I know that's weird. <laughs> it's so weird, but I'm like, just like me in real life, I'm like, the problem can be approached head on. And I always feel like magic is far more, right? <laughs> like I have a, I have a cleavy thing or I have a beat you on the head thing. And either one is going to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, so I guess that covers kind of all of our. Yeah. Um, I've I mean, all, I, my I, shitty I, introduction to my history, but yeah. Oh, okay. I should have let you guys I, go first. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of like like this ongoing like popcorn this yeah. po- this kind of like popcorn style of like oh you brought that up I want to yeah. talk about this oh, yeah no yeah well so when you said like male characters I just went on D and D Beyond because that's where I have all my characters on uh, and I have minor in a literal three ring binder I have <laughs> three men one of them I don't play because it's one of it's Alphas because I made Alphas on this and gave my brother the login information. Uh, the other one is Melius, which is the satyr that I've never played yet. <laughs> and then 
The other one is a Goliath character named Parak that I originally made for our one shot for Caden's birthday. The Goliath bard that I said just breaks yeah. all his instruments. That was the other yes. one. Was the I other love one. that concept. <laughs> yeah. They ended up playing something different, which was yes. equally as great. I ended up so no, okay. Then I played I guess, um, this one. Yeah. So all of the characters that I've played have always been women. Um, that is in part because I do still feel like a bit of a beginner at D&D. And so like a lot of my creation is still like, okay, I'm going to build it out of the book a little bit. And then once I get my basis out of the book, then I'm going to get to like play around with it. Um, and I'm, and I'm just starting to like do something else with that. Like be like, this is how I want to. So this is I how I this want is... to do this, and this is, and let me figure out how the rules will apply. And that's actually what I ended up doing with Jack. Um, but so, uh, my two biggest characters from before uh, Yas are Ulsa, who's a dragonborn rogue, and uh, Alethra, who is a water genasi cleric. Um, both both you see her, uh, and Ulsa is a technically a woman but like we had realized really early on um dragonborns are not mammals and so like i i I completely like i just took everything (laughs) off of like what to expect of like gender and that sort of thing off of her entirely and so like um I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I'm like trying to word this. Basically, yes, she uses she her, but like that's because humans do. Right. Just, just like going with cultural. It's a cultural. Yeah. Right. So like, I guess that brings us in sort of the next umbrella part of our conversation was basically in what ways has D&D either helped you realize something about your um, your identity, either gender-wise, sexual orientation-wise, like the whole gambit? What has D&D, like either has it made you realize something or has it reaffirmed something? Um, I, I just want to point out that there is a joke in uh, the trans community, especially those that play D and D, that we um, we figure out our gender identity a lot of times through making a character of another gender. Um, so th- it is a pretty common; it's a common enough experience that there's a bit of an in joke. Well, and I know I know we don't typically speak for other people when they're not here, but since Sarah did mention it in the last the OOC. Um, Sarah brings up that she discovered that, yeah, basically her sexuality through playing. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's definitely probably a very common, <laughs> common thing in many people. I mean, it's kind of the point of taking on different roles. I have to say, and I won't say who it is, um, respecting their privacy, but I play another game and a player in that game uh started the campaign with a non-binary character because they were trying to figure out if they were non-binary themselves. And just two weeks ago, uh, finally announced that, yes, they were 
they now want sorry my throat is like killing me <laughs> yeah that they will now now would like to be referred to as they them and so that came through role playing and feeling like is is it comfortable you know does this feel right I will, best, I will say that playing D and D, uh, dude, I'm not straight. All of my character, I think almost all of my characters are gay, except for like the one, except for like my twelve year old and my Goliath bard. <laughs> uh, because my first character, I made him the flamboyant, uh, gay tulip. I I played him at Sherwood too this past year. Had a lot of fun, and. Then the second character I made was a Genasi monk, and then later on I was like thinking about it because one of our one of my other friends in the game, his character was falling for like one of the barmaids, and I was like, oh, I never even thought about like who Teak would go like go for if like they saw anybody. So then I ended up making her. I was like, you know what? She just likes girls too. So I made her a lesbian. I was like, you know what? Whatever. That's how she goes. Um, and then. That's really for, like, main games that I played. And then I made a Goliath fighter cleric for one of my other friend's games because she was like, we need somebody to heal people. And I was like, okay, I'll be a tank that heals. <laughs> and then I made, um, I made her gay sorry. as well. <laughs> like Caden's Luxodon cleric. Oh. Yes. It's the only yeah. cleric we send in first. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I, my, my, my first character, so Ursa, um, I didn't come up with a sexuality for her. And, uh, like, after playing her for a while, just realizing her interaction with humanoids and that sort of thing, I was like, she's ace. Like, it, it, it just, it was a realization to me. She's asexual. Um, she has no attraction to humanoids or anything like that. Her, also, her, her one of her biggest flaws is that, like, she is kind of, because she came from, like, higher up ranks in her community, she's kind of racist. Um, I'm working on that for her. She's a teenage, like, little demon child. Um, so she's getting better. She's growing up. Um, but, yeah, she, when I realized that, you know, we were interacting with characters of various genders, um, and she wasn't experiencing any sort of attraction to these humanoids. I'm like, oh, okay, so she's ace, and that's really cool to know. I'm not. Um, I don't identify that way. And But uh, having being part of the queer community and say, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to point th point this out to everyone listening. Um, yes. The ACE spectrum absolutely is part of the queer community. <laughs> no gatekeeping. Um, and so uh, it just, it, yeah. So she is queer in that way. And then Alethra um, is the exact opposite. She'll go after anyone that moves and consents. Um, so <laughs> Uh, and, and so she's, she's pan, um, but also like, she's a water genasi. And so, uh, yes, she uses she, her, but like her concept of gender is just kind of meh, whatever. Fluid. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but, um, I will say, I will piggyback on the whole thing of Ace because I'm Ace and I do feel I a hundred percent, most of my characters, since I'm Ace, 
most of these most of my characters are on that like a spectrum as well just because i it's hard for me to do stuff like to do stuff like that so when i'm playing characters i'm like i don't know how to do this <laughs> every time <laughs> I think that's kind of like one reason why I don't tend to play guy characters because it feels like such an awkward fit and like ultimately I'd end up making fun of a gender because I it's not the it's not the skin I'm living in the shoes I'm walking in the you know it's not my real lived existence and I don't so I'm like so I don't mind like if you if you if you're one of our Patreon members which if you're seeing this first there you are <laughs> then you'll have seen Haven's Rest. Um, that character is male, but very young. And so it doesn't feel yeah. masculine. Well, considering right? that, like, a lot of comic books and, like, not comic books, a lot of animated shows and stuff get women to play young boys in anime and right. stuff. Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. Really because Peter it's Pan easier effect. to do that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's just a. This is kind of the way it's worked out, but I think so. I know we as a group um, have off camera um, sort of discussed like flirting and dating and relationships and stuff in games because some of our players have had games in the past where that's been a thing. And so we talked about what if it's something that happens in our storyline and whatever. And it's just sort of interesting because I wouldn't call any of my characters ace but just the way that the games went right just the way that the stories unfolded nobody's sexual preferences ever really were important to the storyline one time one time we had a guy who played a character who was just like massively horny all the time and trying to pick up like all the women everywhere no matter age, anything, right? <clears throat> and he wasn't with our group from the, like he was like staying with friends. So he was only there for like three games. And that was honestly the only time in the early days. Um, I don't think it was really until the game where I, I met my my husband <clears throat> that I played a character where I had to think of think of am i am i attracted is this character attracted to another character it was the first time and so that was like 2001 so six years six years of playing you know tabletop role-playing games where sexual preference um never came into play at all it just was never part of the storyline um and i feel like i still typically play that way yeah, I mean, that's how I am with most of my characters, well, I mean, because one, it's hard for me to do that. But I will say my first game that I played with Tulip, our characters are all on a train and Tulip is blue. And in my DM's world, all tieflings are red. And so Tulip is like the only blue tiefling in the whole goddamn world. And so we were on a train and I went to the like bar cart to get drinks for my whole party and there was a red tiefling there, and he was just like, that's not normal. And I was like, who's to say you're not normal? And I literally, my character just forgot the whole, like, forgot to get drinks for everybody and just sat down with his other tiefling and talked to him the whole train ride. 
forgot about all my friends <laughs> and just talked to this I person love like that. <laughs> i love stuff like that though i was like yeah. um so we were we were well you kind of honestly when you jumped in it sort of summed up what we were talking about yeah um, I, uh, sorry about that y'all um I just realized that, like, I don't think I've explained any anything about myself. So I'm, um, I am cis. I am, I am straight. I am so straight. It hurts. Um, I I break lots of hearts, and I'm so so sorry. Um, and everybody's like, not not even a little, and I'm like, not even a little. I um. I always like to you know, point to, I have um, my best friend, my very, very best friend who I actually refer to as my wife. And I'll come to that in a second. Um, who everybody adores her. Like she's a goddess on the planet. Um, she's extremely talented. She's extremely beautiful. She's extremely smart. And I like, I have known her for a very long time and I have never once wanted to kiss her jump her bones anything and i'm like if if if, it, if she doesn't do it for me nobody's gonna do it for me right um but i would consider myself pan romantic i um i can have very deep romantic like relationships with with different people um but i don't have many i'm very i'm a very picky person <laughs> I mean, to to give you a, an idea, like, um, so I, I consider myself gray romantic, um, which means that, so much like uh, for the asexuality spectrum, um, there's, it, it is a spectrum ranging from completely ace to uh, demi to gray ace, that sort of thing. There's a similar one for romantic attraction as well. And, uh, so I consider myself gray romantic and the way that I, it's easiest explained is that I don't understand love as a feeling. Like everyone that I've ever heard from is just like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in love. And I'm like, no, oh God, no. (laughs) And, um, I, I keep finding, um, very romantic people to who love me and i'm just like i am trying very hard to explain to you that i love you but it is a choice um so uh, but the, the reason that i bring this up i my who i call my nest mate um who i live with uh is it, it we we have a very deep what we call a queer platonic friendship um relationship because uh it, they are more than just a friend to me. They're more than just a best friend. They are my, they're my person. Um, And also like we are not romantic in any way, shape or form on purpose. Uh, It doesn't really really relate to D and D, but I just, I, I wanted to give like just complete that idea of different kinds of relationships existing in the queer spectrum. Um, I mean, I want to bring it, I'll bring it back to D&D and say, like, all the things that we're talking about here, because you'll see that um, even though there's there's three of us here, right, two have they, them, one, she, her, you know, pronouns, we've got, we're all oldest, 
children. Um, we have some similarities and stuff, um, but the way like we define things, the way that things feel natural to us, the way that we feel right in the world is different. And one of the things that Yas wants to do is show that not just in our player characters, but in our NPCs as well, that that as Sarah referred to it last time, everybody's like a blob. I was thinking of it like wibbly wobbly tiny whiny, but not tiny whiny. It's just that wibbly wobbly gender winder. It's a winder. This is what my grandmother would call a winder. Just um, so, um, uh, but the the like that yeah, everybody's bringing their their unique blobbiness uh, to the table. And even if it's not something that you have, you are actively bringing to the table in a, in a PC or whatever, because it is a way that you think it's going to influence the way that you react to any world that's, you know, happening in your tabletop role play game. And that's the thing that we want to make clear and we want to say is a good thing like not everything has to be like the cookie cutter standard dungeon delve adventure right you the world our own world is hugely diverse and hugely interesting and it takes everybody bringing their unique spin to the table to create something unique and beautiful and that's what we try to do is take all of these all the ways that we think about the worlds all the way worlds we now live in multiple worlds apparently we, we live in the multiverse the multiverse i like a multiverse um you know that we're bringing all that to the table so it's hard to completely disengage it from the gaming from gaming because we are gamers ergo all those things about us do play a role in no pun intended in any game that we're playing even if it's all not puns intended all puns intended let's be honest even if but even if it's not ultra intentional right it's it's always there below the surface as it were um i guess the last the last thing that we kind of wanted to talk about was the changes that we have seen from when we each first started playing. I know Annika doesn't have a huge storied history. I have two years. A <laughs> whole two years. I, I just want to say, like, even though Annika has, like, has had less time on this earth, like, I feel like you have more experience in playing than I do. So, like, that that is not directly related to age. Right. I just, I was, I got a tease. Oh, that wasn't at you. I was, that was my job. I signed a contract. (laughs) Um, But I think what what we kind of wanted to talk about for this, this next segment was um, our experiences when we first started versus our, the experiences that we're having now, the, the trends that we're seeing in gaming and where we want to see things, you know, What's the five-year plan? The ten-year plan? It's a very Capricorn thing of me to say. What's what's our future outlook? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say that. I mean, my experience is two years, but I've been playing video games for forever. Um, 
But I will say that, like, something that shaped, like, for me anyways, because I was so young, I was playing mature games, like, young. <laughs> now, they're like, oh, you're gonna be 18? I'm like, nah. But one of the games that I thought was, like, great for me anyways was The Last of Us. Because the second main character was the same age that I was when I was playing that game. I was the same age as Ellie. And then as they released Last of Us Part Two this year, they chose to make Ellie queer. And I was like, I am still the same age as you, and I am also queer. Thank you, game. <laughs> She has such- Ellie has such, like, and I have such an emotional connection to that character, which is why I hate the ending to the second game with a passion. Um, but yes. Right. I have to- so when I started- when I started, um, video games, <laughs> first of all, it was very difficult to tell if you were a gender, because it was 8-bit and you were barely more than a square. <laughs> um, but- to be fair, like my my choices of gender, ergo, were a spaceship and um, a circle that ate ghosts. Um, so, <laughs> like early on, it wasn't a thing. But I did used to do a lot of um, first person shooters, um, like doing Quake and and that ilk. And there, you're only a dude. Well, to be fair, you're only a gun. That's all you can see. But um, <laughs> um, it was a big thing when games started to have actual female characters. So, like, Street Fighter was, like, a big deal, right? Because, oh, my God, you could play a girl, and it wasn't just a girl. She was, like, a friggin' badass like one of the best people, um, Mortal Kombat also, right? Like not only are you getting a female on the screen, but she is majorly kicking ass. It's not like, oh, we put in a token token girl and she's like, like whatever. Um, so, but even then the, the characters by and large were still marketed to, to male players. Right. Speaking of female characters in video games, one of the first video games I ever played, we had a PlayStation 2 when I was growing up, and one of the games we had was the Godzilla fighting game. It was like Smash Bros, but Godzilla characters. And the only character I ever played in that game was Mothra. <laughs> because Mothra was like the closest to like a female character for Godzilla characters, anyways. I play. I was gonna say Mothra. Godzilla being a reptile, and I realize yeah. that we've covered this yeah. before. Yeah. But like, um, <laughs> I was like, does lay eggs? Six I will seven. point out. Um, Godzilla lays eggs, my friends. Yeah, but I play Mothra all the time because you start out as Caterpillar Mothra, and then as you keep fighting, you could turn into Mothra. And so you're I like you're just like a giant butterfree. Get over yourself. Mothra is my favorite um, Godzilla character ever, so still is and always will be. <laughs> that reminds me. I remember like playing on the playground when I was in elementary school, and uh, we were all like playing like Power Rangers, and we you know we would claim different colors for ourselves, and I wanted to be the Red Ranger because the Red Ranger was the leader but they made me be the pink ranger and I really don't like that color. And I, 
was like, I don't want to be pink. I don't want to be girly. I don't want to. I wanted to be the red. I wanted to be the red one because he was the leader. Can I I just say, before that, we had Voltron. Yeah. But same problem. So in my day, we had, in my day, we had Voltron and it was literally the exact same problem. I was the most creative kid on the playground and friends. And I was also exposed to anime at the time, specifically just Inuyasha. Uh, and so, and like a few, like some of my friends in like those comics. And then I would, that was just me playing. By myself in the playground, but that's fine. (laughs) I think, yeah, there is a thing about being you are you're such an you end up being such an oddity as as a girl or femme presenting person. So there is um, a movie that I love, uh, which is um, uh, Darkness Rising. And in the movie, I'm I'm, I'm very sorry. Did you say Darkness Rising? I did. Okay, I'm. I, sometimes my audio processing in here it's doesn't the, quite work. The, so. gamers, the Gamers 2 Darkness Rising. And in it, the this gaming group brings in their first female player. And she shows up at the gaming store. And all of these, all the guys in the store, like, stop what they're doing. And they're just staring because they're so baffled, right? Because not only is she there, but she's there, like, by herself, like, shopping for her own stuff. Like, you know, showing up for a game and stuff. And they're just like, what? And as funny as that scene is, it's one of those, it's funny because it's true. Like, that's what it was. Even when, after I moved to Austin... Um, and I first went, so that was in 99 and I went to Dragon's Lair and this was Dragon's Lair four iterations ago. So it was very small. Um, I was always the only female in there always, um, in those like, and I'm sure others existed, but somehow it was never time that there was another one in there. I never saw them. I never saw them. Um. Because I don't want to be like, I was the only only girl gamer in all of Austin. Because I know it's not true. It's just somehow you never see each other. And you, it's a weird thing that you're this, like, oddity. It's you're always, and well, it still happens. It, like, yeah, yeah it speech, definitely does. In um, speech, it happens all the time. Like, I'm, I, when I used to play with my brother, we'd be on there. And as soon as I'd use voice chat, there'd be another girl on our team being like, girl and i'm like oh my god and then we become friends on on ubisoft because we're like yes connect i was the only girl on um an lpc mud uh that i played uh, for the longest time and then another girl showed up and of course you don't know it's a mud for people who don't know what that is it is a text-based video game (laughs) because we didn't have graphics um, because we were poor in the past, that's why we couldn't hour. afford graphics. We couldn't afford graphics. Um, so, sorry, and then like, when I found out, oh, and somebody just when invited I found, me to play a game, uh, <laughs> would you like to play this. a game? Like, as, as we're talking, reference. I just see the invite pop up, and I'm like, even when we're done, I'm not gonna play. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna get in the hot tub because it's my last time to get in the hot tub during. I am going game, so. to eat my pho because I am. I, I need my soup. 
I am That's fair. debating playing Dead by Daylight with a other femme friends or and everybody this is the what did we call it the seg train coaster oh yeah oh, we went oh, off I, I, hold on oh wait there's a picture oh there is I so <laughs> so when i found out that this other player was a girl i got real excited because yeah it was one yeah. other girl on the whole server the whole server but to get back uh, on i will say i will say it is loads better now like I, if I go to any gaming store, the likelihood that there's going to be females there is almost assured, like assured, um, where it was so rare before. So that's that's been a huge change. I so now we get back I, on to the, the coaster. Yeah, Sorry. we're back on. We're now we're going to get back on the seg train seg train coaster. The, the seg train coaster. Seg train yeah. coaster. So. Right. Yeah, I did some like practice stuff over here, but like, please note, I am not an artist whatsoever. Oh, oh by the way, my mom is watching the stream, so you need to make us a shirt. Oh, <laughs> train coaster. Segways yeah. in a train. On Get the stag train coaster back on track. track. Yeah, back on. Yeah. I just track. heard my mom like kind of yell in the room. <laughs> Please do not turn that into any sort of graphics. That's the art specifically that we want. So my cousin, my cousin called my mom uh, on WhatsApp years ago for her homework. She wanted to ask us all about our jobs because my family's in Switzerland. And so she's, my cousin is taking English this year. And so she asked us all. And my mom, who's right here now. <laughs> Hey guys, she was like, she's Hello. like, she's like, how do I, how do I figure out what to tell this, this kid in German? What this, uh, what, what do I do? <laughs> so you just said graphic designer. Yes. So oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, that's good. Good answer. Good, good answer. A lot of fun. <laughs> We're still screaming. I know. <laughs> you said no questions. You just said you just commented. You have to ask a question before I wrap up in five minutes. <laughs> so I would like, so ending, well, starting with the things are, I think, I mean, considerably better than when I started. Um, um, like the fact that I can, I can go get on Twitch and I can go look up gaming live streams and many, many of them are female or femme. Um, some of the most popular ones even. Um, so like, that's huge. So like that part is like vastly changed. What's lagging behind is the like visual representations and the good storyline representations. And I, I mean, you see it in, in books and movies a bit where there's, female leads and those movies end up being wildly popular. Um, and, um, and things where they gender swap, which are wildly popular. Like Dr. No. Right. <laughs> um, I, 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 if I may. Uh, Who's your doctor? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Um, so like one thing that was coming up when Sarah was talking about the, uh, 
the Tasha's Tasha's Magic Cauldron. Is that what it is? Uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Tasha's Cauldron of everything. Yeah, Tasha's Cauldron of everything. Um, I am clearly not the person who keeps all the books. I can say that. I can say that to them. Nerd. Yes. Um, And so one of the things that was coming up was uh, that one, uh, we think that one of the reasons that it it, it didn't live up to the expectations that we had set for it was because there just isn't enough representation of what we're looking for in the creation room. Um, Even just like getting a consultant or something like that there that doesn't exist uh, and so we're going to see ourselves more represented when people who know what they're writing about are allowed in the writers rooms hire women hire queer people hire people of color like it is so important to hire do- queer women of color Hire hire queer black women, hire queer indigenous women, please. Um, Because there, you know, we keep hearing, oh, well, all that's getting put out is the same stories over and over and over again, just, you know. Because the same people are writing them. Yeah. Um, there are some great stories that haven't been told that have been passed that, you know, are in these communities. And I, at least in my experience, every single time that I see them, I've enjoyed the heck out of myself. Um, I mean, there, there've been a couple exceptions, but yeah, hire us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hire us. I feel like that was like a weird, like. Play it backwards. It'll say the same thing. Um, I that makes me excited to like become a teacher because that's what I want to do. I'm working to art teacher. My one thing I'm excited mm-hmm. for is becoming a teacher and having them not call me Mister or Mrs. as Mix is a thing. Mix. <laughs> I, yeah, I have several friends that go by Mix. Uh, one of them has gone by Mix by over a decade. So. Um, I went to Waterburger today after work to get dinner for my family, and the amount of times they called me ma'am. I was like, I I was like, I have a mullet. You serious? I don't even (laughs) like being called ma'am. I'm like, can you not? Like the the entire reason and getting a little bit off topic. Now, now you're really getting into. If y'all didn't know about uh, non-binary experience, you're gonna learn now. (laughs) Like the only reason why i not the only reason but the biggest reason why i've considered getting a binder um which is a uh, undergarment that pre- that compresses the uh, your skin and uh, fat on your chest so that it, you have a more flat chested look um and they were very popular in the 1920s that was my history fun fact go on um the, one of the biggest reason that i've considered doing it is so i d- uh, don't get mammed as much when i'm out and about because yeah. i'm pretty sure that the only reason i do is because this is the only indication of my gender yeah, right? or my of my assigned gender i've debated upon because i only work like five hours a day at work now so honestly like because i used to work longer shifts and so honestly i might because i my mom just recently bought me a second one I have a normal one, and my mom got me the pride one now. Uh, so now I'm like, maybe do it. 
people at work will finally get it. Because I'm friends with a lot of people at my work on Facebook. And, like, if you go to my profile on Facebook, the first thing that shows up is it says they, them on it. And I'm like, a lot of you people go on my profile, I know, because you have to accept my friend request. <laughs> and you can see my profile. This is, like, the biggest hint. I can see you. Right. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's a thing. Um, so, we've talked about, I think, yes, more representation in in the creator room means more inclusion, more, yeah, more inclusivity and just diverse storytelling. Um, and we don't see that same, we don't have the same cookie cutter um, dungeon experience or NPC creations that we see in the books um, now. And as Sarah has mentioned before, look at indie uh, role-playing uh, games because they're really leading the charge here on on these concepts, on many of these concepts. So I think that's that's the thing. The five year plan for me would be to see um, Wizards of the Coast really get on board, like have have that moment of understanding and take that solid step forward. Don't be don't be so scared that you're going to lose a huge portion of your fan base because the payoff will be will be bigger. Um, and I think that's the thing that especially when you are a large entity, you get you tend to get worried about is that optics. But time and time again, it's shown if you take that step and you buy-in entirely to uh, diversification and inclusion that the payoff ends up being big for you. So I would love to see them really step up to the plate, uh, especially because they're the biggest. Um, yep. In video well games, huh? Like one of the most well-known. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so you got like, so I mean, sure. Too. <laughs> I would love to see Palladium. I would love to see Palladium do it. Like any, like any of them. Um, I would really. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, Cyberpunk 2077 come out because it seems like you it's going to be very neutral. Come out two weeks, two months ago. So. No, it's like pre-order. No, right so no, no, it's it been pushed back a lot. Because I was like, no, I would have it by now. It what? was supposed to come out two months ago. Um, but what happens? So the reason it's taking so long is because now that all of the PlayStation, like PlayStation Five and stuff, has come out, they're yeah. reformatting the game again to go. Like they're reporting. Like they're, well, because they want it, they want it to be work well instead of make. They made platform. it for they made it like they knew the PlayStation Five was coming. Yes, right. And it came early, the PlayStation came earlier though than they expected. I already so. have my one. Give me my game. Right. So, I, I pre um, it then refunded it because I realized I didn't want to play it because it's an open world game. It is. That's what I like. I That's what I struggle. like. Sandbox me. Throw me in a sandbox and roll me over. I say I struggle, um, but I've been playing Skyrim recently, <laughs> and I've been obsessed with Skyrim. I so I had this thing. I loved um, Elder Scrolls, right? Elder, which one did I play? Um, Morrowind, yeah, Morrowind. And I got so into it, 
right? Um, like so into it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm gonna get oblivion. And I got oblivion and my computer wouldn't run it. Oh, so my wow. husband took it and ran it on his his work computer and I never got to play it. And I haven't gotten to play another Elder Scrolls game <laughs> since Morrowind, you guys. I mean, oh, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, like the last console that I actively like made sure I played was the GameCube. So don't even worry. Oh, GameCubes are so cool. Like those little. The only I've only so ever many. played. I've only only other than my son's consoles, right? Which we bought for him. So that started with the. I, I'm not going to count the DS. Um, so which started with the Wii. The only console I myself have ever owned that I played on was an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I mean, I've I've played I've played on a Wii, I've played on Wii U, I've played on the the Switch and everything. Um, but like the last one that I you oh. know actively got into being excited to play yeah. was the GameCube. I am not a video gamer. <laughs> and we can take this conversation into another different OC. We will. So. Hey. hey. I don't know what it'll be, but it sounds like it'll the beginning happen. of something. It'll happen. Yeah. Just because I love talking about video games. And Annika and I, <laughs> I love watching play Among Us. Games. Well, I mean, we've played Among Us. We haven't played it together. No, my mom has Among Us now, too, so. Oh, good. Yeah. So Fresh she, meat. We, so I, she's playing with random <laughs> people, so she's been just doing pub, public lobbies and stuff, and she got imposter, and as soon as, as soon as she did, she was like, Annika, I need your help. So I walked over there because she because she was doing it with just the mouse and I told her to change it to keyboard and mouse. So I was controlling where she moved and she hovered over the sabotage, kill, and vent buttons for me. So I would go over and I'd be like, okay, kill this guy. And she'd kill him. And then we'd jump into the vent and then we'd wait till the body would get reported. And then we'd like, I'd tell her what to type and tell people. And she like, where she were won. You? We won. Oh, nice. And it was a full we lobby. Won. It was a full lobby of 10 people. <laughs> And we won. I was so surprised. It was so fun. I I love that you're getting getting your mom into all this. Uh, we're gonna get my. Uh, I think my dad's computer. It amuses me too, greatly. So we may, so, maybe we should all just play like our two families. If you were to, if you were, what sort? Let me ask this then, as kind of a final thing. What? I know. I'm bringing the I'm bringing this the seg train coaster back on track, and the track is always like this, you guys. Yeah. Um, um. What would be a um? We'll we'll stick it to like this. What would be a D and D style module, right? Um. That would get you really excited. That would incorporate sort of the, the the inclusionary things that we've talked about today as far as gender identity, sexual expressions, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think it would look like? I bring the tough questions. I, I mean, when, I, when you were talking about, like, just them changing stuff, one little thing that I think would be interesting is in the player's handbook, for every race, they have a list of male names and female names. They should add like gender neutral names as well or just put names yeah and then everybody can decide what it seems like to them they should edit they should edit the player's handbook and fix that honestly hire us i say this all the time about dead by daylight when i'm playing with my friends i have some of the most big brain tactics of that game that they should put in there 
I honestly. <laughs> um, I I would like to see like kind kind of what I did with um the orcs with Jack and everything, um just a different different races having different concepts of gender, um like I I, I said it previously, um orcs in Yas don't have a concept of what trans is because everyone grows up as I, I created it so that everyone grows up identifying as as or being being raised as a as a woman because it's a matriarchal society um but then when they come of age they uh they get to declare their gender um and and, and that's just respected. And it uh, doesn't matter, you know, what their body looks like. It doesn't matter, you know, how they dress. Um, they they declare their gender. And uh, it, what ends up happening, like where they end up choosing to go in their life can depend on how, what they declare their gender to be. Uh, but that means that in common, like if there was an idea of trans in common, Jack doesn't get it. Like, that's just going to be something that, like, if if it ever comes up, Jack is just going to be like, I don't know what you mean. My body right. doesn't relate to the fact that I'm a girl. The fact right. that I'm a girl relates to the fact that I'm a girl. Right. I, I was thinking, so there used to be, you could get basically smaller playbooks that were for your classes. So there was one entirely for fighters at one entirely for bards, um, et cetera, et cetera. And in it, they expanded a lot of ideas for, um, you know, different paths you could take different ways that you these characters to you know, take it outside because you know every everybody basically gets four pages in the player handbook. And this was a way to kind of give everybody like, your 50 pages of of creative working with and i honestly would love to see some stuff like that for for races and i would like it honestly i would love to see something where it's almost like an anthology where you have say 10 or 12 pages dedicated to one version of this race, right? Where you could play, you could play it matrilineal. And this is how, this is how this group who wrote that part envisions everything. And then, you know, other ones, because I think one of the things that happens is that people forget that in essence, all of these quote unquote rule books, which are called usually hand, you know, handbooks, rule books, whatever. Um, are guidelines. They're guidelines to help you build this game, these games, these worlds, and help you work through them. You know, Sarah's talked about how, you know, she might pick a creature but change its stats because it works better for the game, right? But I think a lot of people see things and they become what we refer to as rule lawyers, right? And it doesn't just happen in the how far away, you know, do you have to be for a spell effect? Or does this column really count as three quarters hidden and, and that kind of stuff, right? It's, well, it says that these, this race is lawful evil. It says that, you know, these are, these are the way your stats work. It says this and you can't, 
deviate from that. And I think if um, D&D allowed more so, like, you know, like we said with Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything, where they kind of dip their toe into a little, but you take the step even further to show that no, you take this and you make it yours. You figure out what you want to overlay on it and how you see these things. And if we give you a bunch of ideas, then maybe you'll get the you'll get the idea that you can make it what you want. Or you can pick and choose, like make this like a buffet, a buffet of works, right? And you pick the parts you like. Um but that's kind of what I would like to see is, and I've said that in the beginning because I'm a kind of person who is very creative and I was always fighting of like, why, why can't I make this work? Like to me, this would make a great character and, but it becomes, you know, a hamstrung idea because of the rules. Yeah. Why don't we just say it tells a good story and work with that? And yes, like my, my confessor, we heard the, the peanut gallery. Um, <laughs> and so, because I want to tell a good story yeah. and I want, that's what I would like. And that's what we were saying is a lot of these independent, uh, role-playing games do that where they prioritize story and they prioritize theater of the mind. And I would love to see more of that in, in the big names and really lean into, um, diversity and malleability. That's what I'd like to see. That's like, so when I, for my first game of D, Pathfinder, like I, he, my, my DM was like, okay, so there's like a bunch of ways we can do this. One of the ways I want you guys to go through it is pick two classes and every time you level up, you level up both classes. So I picked Bard Sorcerer and then it just came into all that and I was like, I want to be blue. And oh my like, gestalt. And then he's like, okay, so if you're going to be blue, you have to have a reason for it. So I, like, made up all this shit about him and to be blue, and part of it was because he's a sorcerer and he's, his bloodline was possessed. So he's possessed by something that makes him blue. And I was, it was really interesting to, like, just do all of that stuff for it to come up with that, which was really fun because, like, it, was a, it wasn't that hard to do Pathfinder, but, like, with D and D, it seems harder to be able to do that because they have so much that they're like stuck to do. Yeah. So it's fun to do that in Fantasy Flight Star Wars game because there's so much canon material that you can play with and the timeline and everything. Um, one of my favorite things that I, that ended up happening was I had a character, uh, Ikati, also a woman, um, and. Uh, I I had a tendency because I was just starting out in gaming um, to come up with a reason why my character might do something foolish or uh, ridiculous because I as a player am inexperienced and don't necessarily know all the rules. So Ursa was a teenager and doesn't know what's going on and is still very young. So that was my that was my idea for that. But I wanted to play someone older, so I, I made Ikati older. Uh, but I made it so that she had crash landed. And so she didn't have memory of before the crash landing. But then when I was like playing with, I had made her force sensitive and I had made her, um, like a specific race, uh, that know that like really enjoyed force sensitive, uh, like really revered their force sensitive members. Um, 
And so I realized that based on her age and based on her force sensitiveness and based on her race, oh, she definitely was in the Jedi temple when everything with Anakin was going down. And so like, I had to figure out why she got there. And it turns, she ended up being like this wonderfully complex uh, character all because I had to apply, I, I came up with this, who I wanted. And then I applied the canon on top of it and said, okay, what happened? That's and having, fun. yeah. So having that huge flexibility, like world building flexibility, I think allows a lot of that expression and more of that thing that to bring it back to the beginning, to bring, to bring the seg train coaster into the whatever they call it that the, original the, docking house the what train if, station who, into the station said, in, yeah the somebody station. from six flags tell me what that is called. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um that when you when you're allowed to to do that that means that you can have you could create characters that are fully expressive of yourself but also you can explore things that about yourself you might be curious about that you haven't figured out. Um, but it just gives you a lot more, Annika, don't kill me, sandbox, if you will. <laughs> um, you know, this is where Annika just cuts you off and takes you out of the stream. It's called a right. station. It's called, that's it? It's, it, just that's, yep. station? That's what Coasterpedia just told me. <laughs> Six flags. Get better. <laughs> <laughs> There's gotta be a better term. Okay. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, I wanted it to be more exciting. So. I don't know. Coaster house. Bring it into Loading the coaster dogs. house. Yeah. It's, so it's it's called so it's it says a station sometimes called a loading platform is a section of track on a roller coaster where riders ex enter and exit the cars. So here we are in the loading platform, equally boring. Um that 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 what it boils down to is the table is the table becomes an exciting, wonderful place when you get to inhabit whatever kind of person you want to be able to inhabit i'm gonna put a fuzzy on that because some people are crappy and some characters are crappy but that's a conversation for another time um <clears throat> okay we have a lot of that, yeah, that, that's a that, that that's a really great topic that we can talk about in the future um which yeah. is you know uh, this is what my characters. character would do. And then that ruining gameplay. Yeah, we can talk about problematic uh, problematic character play as, as, a future, as a future. But you getting to play somebody you're very comfortable with, somebody you're very interested in, in a world where that character can actually be that character. And I, to be clear, I'm not talking about designing your OP bullshit character. <laughs> If that's your takeaway from this, you did not pay attention. Um, but yeah, I think that's the bottom line is we just want we just want to see ourselves and be ourselves and explore versions of ourselves in this you know co-created space. And games just need to realize that that's a component many players are looking for. 
and to find ways to better include that in their game design. Full yes. stop. Yes. Full stop. And Thanks for story. coming to our Thank TED talk. Thank you. Every yeah, honestly, these are TED talks at the end of the day. <laughs> With multiple people. Yeah. I guess some TED talks have multiple people. I know. But. We'll get Yas there. <laughs> yep. So I oh, hope everybody enjoyed uh, this ver- this time on the OOC. I don't know Yay. when we'll be doing the next one. The next one will be on Twitch again. Not okay. sure what day. And don't don't forget the holidays are coming up, and yes. so a lot of, even even with COVID, we are trying all to be safe. We are trying all to be. Um, healthy both physically and mentally and for some of us those holidays it, it being, being alone is very difficult and so um, <laughs> we are coming up with creative ways to be uh, together alone and um, sometimes that means that it's difficult to get into yes time <laughs> so yes and then and then Annika and I will be rolling into fair season so yes the point is, stay flexible, friends. I was going to say, since (laughs) I did mention in our last episode of Yas that we were going to be ending this arc in December, that's a lie. Uh, It won't be till January now. (laughs) That was a lie. Again, as as I said in the video, too, I was like, this will all be irrelevant. It was all irrelevant. And just change the date. As as GLaDOS said... Have I ever lied to you in this room? <laughs> it's my favorite. Oh. I'm gonna be glad. Okay. Goodbye.